This week on the Star Wars Universe podcast, we're talking about The Clone Wars, Season 1, Episodes 15 through 18. We're talking about colonialism on a planet that is most definitely not Hoth. We're talking about a blue shadow virus and what happens when it gets loose. And we're talking about why do mad scientists always have to have bad German accents. All that coming right up, right after this ad that we have no control over. Welcome back. This is Matthew. I am your host here at the Star Wars Universe podcast. And joining me, as always, for the Clone Wars uh, are our co-hosts, uh, Riki and Sarah. Folks, hey. how are you guys doing today? Quarantined. How are you? Self-quarantined, <laughs> I guess. <laughs> uh, uh, self-quarantined as well. We've been on uh, spending the last couple of days uh, plotting out our meal schedules so we can use as much as what we have in the house and have to go out uh, for food as infrequently as possible. So it's, uh, it's, you know, a little bit roughing it. It's kind of fun. Yeah. Hmm. yeah. Should we, we do that? <laughs> yeah, we've been. <laughs> I've uh, I stocked up on groceries. We've also been trying to support our um, local local businesses, local restaurants by ordering pickup and takeout from them. But oh, yeah. that's nice. Yeah, before uh, everything got bad, we ordered um, as much Chinese food as we possibly thought we could go through in a week, and yes. had that for leftovers for a long time. That was real nice. Delicious. Yeah. Um, so let's enjoy a little bit of escapism. Um, <laughs> today we're talking about Clone Wars, uh, season one. Episodes 15, 16, 17, and 18. Um, each one has some stuff for us to talk about, but let's kind of start generally. Um, what's your thought on this little block of episodes we got here? Yeah, it's so we went back and watched them um, again before, like in preparation for uh, for this podcast, and it it's it's upsetting in in a certain way because like Clone Wars gets so much better than this. So going back and watching season one feels like a little bit of a regression, yeah. but um there there are some really interesting episodes you, you mentioned sort of escapism but then we've got the blue shadow virus episodes oh yeah uh, that's a good in point. this block <laughs> which is a little yeah a little close to home but uh-huh two of these fair. episodes were really good mm. and two of them were not yeah <laughs> in my opinion that seems to be like our our thing right most episodes yeah. that we've recorded we've had two or at least like a couple good ones and a couple really bad ones very hit and miss uh, am I right that we're all in agreement the good ones are 15 and 16? Um, yes. Yeah? <laughs> so okay. we should look up which is which. Yes. Yep. <laughs> the the non-German mad scientist. Yeah. How I learned to stop lo- worrying and love the bomb. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. Yeah. The um, bad ones have Jar Jar. That's just... Oh. That's true. And now we even got... I, I think this is a third Jar Jar voice actor. And we okay. also have now another Gungan. Yeah, Pepto Bismol. What's her name? <laughs> from it's now something on, like she that. Pepto Bismol. That's what I've been calling her. It's oh gosh, but yeah. I so I did notice that there was a different Jar Jar voice, and I thought that this was just me noticing because we mentioned last time it was a new voice. But is it is it a third new voice? So I I believe it is. I'll look up in the credits later. My question though is: Is this because they're having trouble finding like the voice for Jar Jar? Or is it because no self-respecting actor wants to actually become tagged with the voice of Jar Jar for a multiple season TV show? I mean, wh- why not both? Yeah. It's a, st- it's a paycheck. It's yeah. a paycheck, right? I, th- I found this this voice the least offensive so far. Mm-hmm. Um, in that like it seems like each new actor, or at least this version, seems to be toning down the... Ugh. Like just toning it down a little bit and making it sound more like a, a sort of realistic dialect instead of just like blatant mocking. But yeah, 
Do you think these voice actors go to conventions and are advertised as the voice of Jar Jar Binks? I wonder about that. I mean, I know that certainly the person who was the voice of Ahsoka did that for a long time. And, and part, that's part of why when she appeared in um, uh, Rise, of, uh, Rise of the Sith, people went so crazy about it. And I believe the voice actors who played Anakin and Obi-Wan have done the same. Mm. Um, I can't imagine someone being like, let's get super excited. Like, you know, at a fan con, let's get super excited to come listen to the voice of Jar Jar. But, um, you know, if it was something Lucas Films was putting on, maybe they'd do that. Who knows? Yeah. Well, I bet that there's also like some small convention somewhere who like yeah. noticed that like Jar Jar character <clears throat> actors. Big Lick Comic Con. <laughs> sure, like in Roanoke. Roanoke, Virginia. Yeah, uh-huh. we, we've got a we've got a Comic Con here, and well, like so this year we had James Marsters. Yeah. So Spike usually, Spike from Buffy. What what mm-hmm. seems to happen is there's like a couple of of big name ones, and then a couple other less expensive actors to sort of fill out the the convention. So it wouldn't surprise me. To, mm. to find a, a Jar Jar voice at one of those. Mm. James Marsters is delightful, by the way. If you watch any of the DVD <laughs> extras, the character oh, Spike sure. has a British accent. James is, like, very Southern. <laughs> yeah. I, I've watched him recently in the uh, Marvel TV show Cloak and Dagger. In which he's, just, he's, he's an American dad. And it's, a, it's an uneven <laughs> show. It's not a Netflix <laughs> show, but it is quite good uh, in a lot of ways. Um. Yeah, so I just did a, a quick Google search on uh, vo- Jar Jar Binks voice actor conferences, and there's stuff about one of the actors um, had some serious emotional problems that may have been traced mm-hmm. to the way he was treated. Um, oh, that sure. that was the movie one, right? I, yeah. I recall seeing that. Uh, like at not, conventions, he was just, like, harassed? I, I think it's just kind of maybe the general fan reaction. It, it doesn't really go into much of the details. Yeah. Mm. Um, but, yeah, so... And, 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 and again... And we should point out, like... Even though we express displeasure with a character or with a plot line, like there's no reason to harass actual human beings over any of this. Yeah. That's, yeah. that's just completely unconscionable. Agreed. Like to me, if there's anyone to blame for Jar Jar Binks, it's the writing, not the actors. But even then, like sending angry notes to an a- to a writer is just pointless. You know, to me, it's yeah. we just discuss it here and talk about you know have a more instead of just like oh my gosh this person's terrible. It's okay. Well. What's wrong with his performance? Is it racist? Is it problematic? You know, and how do we improve it? So we are obviously the far more enlightened fans here. Yes, yes, clearly. And now I'm going to tell you why I hate these episodes. (laughs) Sounds good. Well, let's start with the episodes we like. So let's go Mm. first for um, episode 15, Trespass. Uh, And I'll read the summary. Arriving on the desolate ice world of Orto Plutona, Anakin and Obi-Wan investigate the disappearance of a clone security force stationed on a remote outpost. The Jedi, accompanied by Senator Rio Chichuri and Chairman Chu of the nearby moon of Pantora, soon discover their clone troopers were attacked by a tribe of furry natives known as the Tals. Fierce beast-riding warriors, the Tals are very territorial and only want to be left alone. The Jedi manage to negotiate peace with the Tal chieftain, Thysen, when greedy Chairman Cho breaks it by insisting that the planet and the Tals are under his power. The resulting conflict escalates into war between the clones and the Tals with a Jedi in the middle. So, why, what, what do you like about this episode? There's a, there's a lot of, of really interesting, um, I guess, minutiae, like details. So, yeah. I mean, we've, you've got, uh, like, Chairman Cho, or, who's just, like, flat-out evil. Yeah. <laughs> um, which is, I guess, sort of been uh, sort of the theme for, for Clone Wars. But then there's um, Tachuri, who... 
either comes up in future episodes or we've seen in past episodes. It's blending together, and I'm mm-hmm. sorry about that. But yeah, she, who's who's a young uh, senator, um, about like the same age as uh, Ahsoka. Yeah, um, why why this universe seems to be very fixed on the idea that thirteen year old girls make wonderful <laughs> planetary rulers? I'm not quite sure. Um, yeah. but you know. Fair enough. Moving on. I mean, on. there are worse planetary rulers. I, I would, I would uh, well, this also brings or up... Or national rulers, I mean, you, yes. You mm. call it planetary, but they refer to Pantora as a moon, right? Yes. So it calls into question, like, this reminds me of, is Endor a planet or a moon, right? Like, they call it the forest moon the of forest Endor. Moon of Endor yeah. Is it... Which is it? It's a moon. So, it's, yeah, I think that's interesting that Pantora is a moon, or, like, is billed as a moon. And that uh, Orto Plutuna is, like, the main planet, but they think it's abandoned. Yeah. Um, which is, is sort of interesting in this, like, uh, the the Plutonans think that they've got... Sorry, Pantorans think that they've got rule over this moon because, like, they're closest to it. and sort of just a proximity thing. Um, well, but, yeah. I think, I think they make reference to the fact that there is some Jedi law. Uh, sorry, there is some Republic law that... Um, if you are the only what they define as a civilized system, a uh, civilized, you know, pl- uh, civiliza- a civilization, you're the only one that is, is sort of recognized in the uh, area, then you have dominion over any other, basically the rest of the star system. Um, yeah. Which, which I thought was a really interesting thing to learn about the Republic. And, and part of what I think makes this episode so interesting is the way that we then explore the question of like, well, what counts as a civilization and what counts as... Who gets to rule what? Um, mm. it, it, you know, it, it's a, it, a little heavy-handed, as some of these Clone Wars shows happen to be. But I thought, I mean, the whole thing is really a very interesting commentary on colonialism and, mm-hmm. and xenophobia and, and the way different races see each other when they think of themselves as more evolved. Sure. This is classic um, white man's burden right. from history. The, yeah, that's The way when, when Europeans spread out across the world, they... They encountered other civilizations and other peoples, but deemed them uncivilized savages mm-hmm. and said, it's our responsibility to bring them civilization, Christianity, etc. And didn't really respect the, the local customs and beliefs. I know we talk a lot on this show about the way different uh, races are coded based on their accents. Um, <laughs> did you guys also pick up an Australian or a New Zealand, like some kind of... Uh, Austral Island um, uh, um, accent from the the Pantorans. So we yeah we we were talking about that. I said um, South African. Oh, interesting. Okay. But yeah, it, I mean it's it's very it seems like yeah a, I think the senator definitely senator? was yeah but okay. it's yeah it seems like it's again I doubt that it's the actor's natural accent and it's just kind of a right made what? Up accent. And, and either one of those cultures are ones that had very bad experiences of, of <laughs> they're both white, white, white colonies with, with uh, horribly treated Aboriginal uh, or native populations. So yeah, that would, that would sort of fit. Yeah. Yeah. And I think it's, it's interesting too, especially broadening this out to like the world of, of Star Wars, like the Tals are, they're like furry animal like species. Right. I mean, like they're bipedal. And they, like, have houses and use tools and all that stuff. But and have a language. And have a language, yeah. But they're still, Spoken like... language. What we would think of as, like, an animal. Yeah. Um, so it's interesting to see that, like, that's what uh, the chairman is clearly trying to to push. Like, these aren't 
this isn't a civilization. This is just animals. These are just beasts. Right. They're kind of they're kind of ice wookies. Yeah. In a, in a sense where they they have all of these humanoid char- characteristics, but the fact that they are so hairy puts them a step, I guess, below the the hairless humanoid right. peoples. Yeah, I I definitely was thinking, I wondering like you know, could we imagine a story like this happening with some other more advanced uh, 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 planet that was near Kashyyyk, you know, and seeing the Wookiees in mm-hmm. a similar way. Um, I, I do think that there, my understanding is that there's two reasons why they see them. One is most definitely this, you know, they're not real humans. They're not real people the way we see it. But also that, um, you know, the Pantorans are a spacefaring society and the Tulls are, I guess, living in a basically like a Stone Age kind of place of evo- of cultural evolution. Um, and so I think that's also a lot of it is the um, that there, there's a huge amount of the racism and, and speciesism, as well as a lot of um, I guess you kind of call it like, you know, uh, elitism or like, you know, our society mm-hmm. is more advanced. And so therefore we have the right to rule yours, which is certainly a huge part of the, the colonial response of finding the natives and seeing them as lesser than because they didn't have the same sort of technological advances. Yeah. And it's not even. Yeah. I mean, they like the Tulls have like shelter and an established government and all that stuff. They're not, they're not just like it, it, what we would, I guess, think of as stone age, but yeah, right. you're right. The parallels to like colonialism, like, Oh, you don't have, uh, like sailed ships or whatever. That means right. you are less than who cares that you've built pyramids. That's, that's irrelevant. Well, at one point, Obi-Wan points out that the talls do not look like a spacefaring race mm-hmm. so that they, they're, probably native to this planet and right. and yet chairman cho kind of dismisses that and says it doesn't matter because they don't meet a certain threshold of sentience like they're, they're going to ignore their rights and i think like, to a th- the planet a th- yeah a third reason why cho would like the the Pauls characterized as animals is because of the resources on the planet right and it's easier to say well we have control of it we get these planets resources yeah and it's easier if there's not like a native population already there yeah, I mean, it definitely seems like he 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 views the Talls as inconvenient the whole way through. Mm-hmm. Um, one thing I picked up on from him as well is that he's he is definitely viewing everything through the attitude of, you know, for him, like he's a military guy and he's in that, you know, everything looks like a nail if you're a hammer kind of mindset. Mm-hmm. Um, and I I don't know if I'm getting too meta here, but I was wondering if this is if there's something intentional here about this coming directly after the episode about the Lerman, because, you know, the chief of the Lerman, one of the things he kept saying is like that. It's not just that we don't want to fight a war today. It's that by becoming a more warlike people, we are in danger of becoming a more warlike people, you know, and and the Mm -hmm. ways that that corrupts us and the, you know, the statements he makes about what does it mean to think that peace can only be won through war. And, I'm not sure if it's intentional a lot, but certainly the chairman seems to me like the the Lerman's worst nightmare, you know, of like, this is what that path that the Lerman were afraid of can lead to. Yeah, definitely. And especially the way that he's um, very, he he wants the rules to be respected when they, when they work for him sort of situation, like saying um, like Chuchi is a senator and therefore has authority over the Jedi when like he wants to get his way, but as soon as Chuchi tries to pull the like, I'm the senator, I have authority here. He's like, well, who are you gonna get to sign off on this? Blah blah blah. Right. And it is it, it it's a it's an interesting episode because there is a lot of 
like politics and bureaucracy, which again is maybe not like the most thrilling thing <laughs> to watch. Um, yeah, like there's a part where she is to me. Yeah, I was gonna say like I I'm a total yeah. nerd for that, but we're possibly in the minority of fans. Sure. Well, especially considering the audience, right? Like, is there anything kids love more than bureaucracy and political <laughs> procedure? Because um, there's this really one point where, yeah, she needs, she wants to say that Cho has, uh, like, overstepped his bounds to declare war on the, the Tals, and she needs, like, a, a signature from a different dignitary to be able to pass this resolution to, like, strip him of his wartime powers or something like that, and it's just, mm -hmm. like, glazing over a little bit as that part was happening. <laughs> I, I really liked it, but I... But to me, and Riki, I know because you care about these details as well. If if this was your take, it's it seemed very inconsistent to, to especially the idea that the Jedi couldn't be involved at all. Um, there's a moment, especially where she has to go negotiate with a tall chieftain, and the Jedi literally refuse to go because they say that they can't get involved. Um, and that seemed like my my impression was that the Jedi maybe can't take sides, but that part of their role is to be peacekeepers and is to help negotiate disputes like this. And that if they can negotiate a dispute between the Naboo and the Trade Federation, why can't they between the Tals and the Pantorans? Well, this is Star Wars at its, at its most Trekkian, Star Trekkian. <laughs> uh -huh. um, and in some cases that we have a problem because we don't understand the rules of right. the Republic. Because clearly there's no equivalent to the Prime Directive here, right? which would state that once you find a non-spacefaring race, it's hands-off, right? Like, you, you would have to leave that planet alone and allow them to develop at their own pace. Right. And, and at the same time, yeah, I agree that there there was an inconsistency or maybe just a... I thought maybe it was Obi-Wan being coy. Mm-hmm. Mm, oh, I and, and forcing the senator to into this situation where she, she was the one who handled it, like for like it was for her sake to get some practice, I guess, as a diplomat. Yeah. But also, I, I think it was very important um, from the perspective of the Talls to see her as a representative of the Pantorans do this, right? Um, to to maintain a lasting, a more lasting peace. Rather than have the Jedi handle it and then take off. I, I think that makes sense. I think, though, the him not even going with her was the point which kind of lost me. Because I was like, if you're kind of sending her to, like, you know, see if she's good enough and the result could be a huge war. Like, yeah. maybe a go as a backup, you know. But it, I, I do like the idea that maybe he could have done it, but he he thought it was better to not handle it. That That seems to make more sense. Yeah, it's, I mean, it's weird. Like, at the very beginning of the episode, they're basically told, like, back off, you're, you're taking orders from the senator. And then they they go off and find the, the Tals and uh, realize they don't have 3PO, so they have to speak very loudly and very slowly, because that will help. Oh my gosh. Um, and, and yeah, and then they, they bring Tals back, and, or they bring um, Chuchi back, and they're like, yeah, it's all you, girl. <laughs> Them somehow going from... Anakin drawing a picture of people holding hands oh my God. to having a full conversation in the same night was a little bit of a stretch. Yeah, well, I, I mean, like, I was even, like, how did, how did 3PO even know this language of this, like, 
previously undiscovered population. I guess like he can just six million forms six of million communication. Forms. <laughs> That's okay. a lot. Yeah, it is. And I, I, I get that he can be like, oh, this sounds kind of like a primitive sort of why language, and therefore here we go. But he's like having perfect fluent conversations with them. And yeah, Anakin goes like from, like you were saying, drawing a picture of hand holding to their, their like negotiating political deals, which, yeah, seems like a bit much. It's, you know, things moving at the speed of plot, and I understand that. But it's, <laughs> one other little detail that I, I picked up on that I really liked is, um, especially because I'm thinking about this in terms of, like, teaching kids about colonialism and imperialism and this idea of seeing people as savages. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a scene when the uh, Tals and the uh, Pantorans come to, like, a peace conference. And the Pantoran basically just says, you know, straight out, we are going to have war with you. We're going to destroy you. You can't stop us. You know, tomorrow we attack. Mm-hmm. And the Talls listen to that and get mad and then walk away, respecting the rules of the peace conference. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was just really struck by that because I think I, I think it was intentional because to me, like, if they are the savage race the chairman thinks about, then aren't they going to immediately attack and forget about any kind of rules of peace or, or engagement or things like that? Like, I... I thought them choosing not to engage in that moment was a really interesting sign of maybe these people are a lot more civilized than, than anyone's giving them credit for. Mm, parlay. Yeah. Respect yeah. the rules of parlay. <laughs> I also really liked, liked how C- like 3PO acted like a translator. Very much like... I was reading some article about people translating um, like over-the-phone translations for people who are deaf and like just having to as a translator you just have to relay everything the person is saying word for word like you can't mm. add your own yep. intonation in it and like they say sometimes they get to wait get away with saying like uh he's swearing at you now <laughs> and i feel like 3po was kind of doing that like he didn't want to say like <laughs> oh we're gonna we're gonna cause war unless you right. like, back off um but he was just like oh dear and then well they do say he- <laughs> He's not a translator. He's an interpreter. So maybe yeah. that, you know, gives some more wiggle room to things. Yeah. Well, I think, like, I mean, I think he did, like, relay it verbatim, right? Because, I mean, the, the reaction from the, the Tall's chieftain wasn't... Right. Yeah. Wasn't happy. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it, it, it's definitely, I think, a very good episode. It's got a couple problems, as always, but I think one of my mm-hmm. favorites. Um, did you guys have any kind of final thoughts on this one? So one last thing... That I don't understand from a Republic legal standpoint. (laughs) Who has jurisdiction over a clone army? Because in this episode, we we see the clones utilized by the Pantorans, like as an escort for the chairman, and they get ambushed by the Tulls. And, And yet at other times, the Jedi say, well, like, we're done here, like, we have to withdraw along with the clones because this is a this is a Pantoran matter. Yeah. Well, so it's not clear like a pan, the Pantorans as a member of the Republic do they get to command the clones? Is it only the Jedi on behalf of the Pantorans? Who knows? Yeah. But it's, it's so there are are points where um ch- the chairman was giving direct orders to Rex and Rex is just like nah. Mm-hmm. Um, but it se- yeah, it seems like the Jedi have authority over the clones, but the Senate has authority over the Jedi. So, like, by some circular way, like, the chairman would be able to. 
Yeah. And like, Order the Jedi, or Order the uh, Clones Around. There's a way for me to headcanon this to say that all of this was thrown together so quickly because they just had no existing bureaucracy for a military like this that the show demonstrating that it's confused and murky and no one quite knows what's going on is intentional. Um, I'm not sure I can give them quite that much credit, but it would be great. If, that, that's kind of the, the definition I like to go with. Yeah, that's generous. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Yeah. My my favorite thing about this episode are, are the Talls uh, as a people because they're from uh, A New Hope. We go all the way back to seeing uh, a Talls Muftak, who is one of the few named characters in the cantina scene. Oh, that's right. That's why they look so familiar. Every, everyone is named. Well, at the beginning, yeah, everyone is named now. Yeah. Originally, when it was released, there was a Muftak action figure, so he got a name earlier oh. than... Earlier than the Decipher card game. Yes. <laughs> where every every single character has a card. Yeah. Um, yeah, so it's, I thought that that was neat, because he was not only a fan favorite, but also like um, an, on, an on-set favorite, and played by the... Uh, the puppeteer who who made oh, yeah. Muftak. Well, he yeah, he's the one who's sitting there and then like he's like, burr, like <laughs> does does something with his nose or mouth or whatever. Oh, he, to... and he does a bit of a like um, a double take as well, which is, a, which is oh, pretty nice. cute. Yeah, so he's got a little more, bit more personality than just like looking off at at the the murder that has just taken place in the booth in the corner. Mm-hmm. So one last one last thing I would say about this episode as well is. Um, I, I, this is the thing I, th- I think I've commented on before. I like, so, I, I think we've all commented on this. We, we like sort of having the world be more filled out. Mm-hmm. Um, and this is an episode that does a really nice reminder of not everyone's focused on the, the war, you know? Like, I, I, I think it's easy, especially in, you know, movies that focus on a war to think it's the only thing anyone's talking about. It's the only thing that matters. But that there can be, you know, these planets like this that, yeah, they, they care about the war and they're on the side of the Senate. And they're going to send their troops there. But they still have their own local concerns. Um, and I, I, I just I really like that because I like in the Star Wars saga, we so rarely get to see what's happening. You know, we don't except for like five minutes on a farm. We don't know much about Luke's life outside of the rebellion or anyone's life mm-hmm. outside of the rebellion of the Empire. Um, and so I really liked getting to see a, a picture of that. Yeah. Yeah, it's neat. I mean, and like the originally didn't I think it was like the droids who were attacking or didn't the droids come to the planet and like the uh, i was just gonna call them the muff attacks that's not right the talls attack the droids and the clones there was something to do with like the droids were on that planet for some reason right yeah i think the droids were also there there was some kind of, and and the droids were the ones who antagonized them and then as obi-wan says the clones had kind of gotten the way the, the talls mm-hmm. didn't yeah. really see a difference between the two of them yeah but yeah, it is it is neat to see like to have an episode that's not just yeah, droids v clones. Yeah. Um so shall we move on to the other episode we liked and give it that a good long talk and then we can kind of brush through <laughs> of the other two. Muddle through the blue shadow virus. Yeah. Yeah. So episode 16, The Hidden Enemy. Anakin and Obi-Wan lead Republic forces in an attempt to defeat the droid armies and free the planet of Christophus from the Separatist siege. When the Republic is ambushed and forced to retreat, it becomes clear that someone in their midst has set them up. The Jedi believe this infiltration is a Sith-backed operation and go behind enemy lines to investigate. Meanwhile, Captain Rex and Commander Cody set out to uncover the traitor among them. Um, that's the official episode description, because generally I don't want to give spoilers in that. Um, mm-hmm. I, we're assuming that people have watched these till now, so I'm going to say as the spoiler, um, 
because I think it's a really central part of the episode that's so interesting, is we find out that the um, traitor was a uh, a clone, and that at what? the very end, that I know, <laughs> sorry, uh, at the very end, the clone explains what his um, grievances were. And they actually sound fairly legitimate because what his grievances are is that they're all slaves of the Jedi and that as clones, they have no choice and they have to fight in this war and they don't get to choose. And that his goal was to uh, free his, his goal is freedom. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, how he gets that goal for clones by helping to kill clones is a little bit un- unsure, but that's, you know, in classic villain who might have a point, but is still kind of crazy uh, um, or the bad word to use, uh, uh, not not fully there, uh, is is is, is a pretty much part of the the trope. Uh, so yeah, what, flawed you, logic. Yeah, what'd you guys think of this episode? Yeah, maybe it's a fun little whodunit. Um, yeah, we we learned pretty quickly that it's one of the clones who's the spy because there's like a communication line left open, and you see one of the clones running down a hallway. But because they're all clones. There's no way to tell which clone it is exactly, which I think is an interesting um, mm-hmm. like clones-only version of the whodunit, that you actually get to see somebody run away, but have no idea. Like, oh, no way of identifying so clue, but with all clones. Clue, but with all Cl- clones. Clones. Clones, yeah, delightful. <laughs> I like uh, it. Um, yeah, and it, it's it's neat seeing them like interrogate the clones. Um, that, that, their barracks. Yeah. There were a Did you look at the background? No. There were a lot of, like, sexy lady posters up on the walls. Oh, man. I mean, that feels very, like, wartime, yeah. like, paint a lady on your bomb sort of situation. It was weird, though. Because, like, have they even seen? I mean, like, there's, like, female Jedi and all that stuff, but why are they? Yeah, it's weird. This is, like, a, a very made-up culture. Why, why is this, like, weird objectification? Yeah, I will say, <sighs> in the books, um... Uh, which again are not canon, but are still kind of canon. Um, mm-hmm. Particularly the clone, the clone books, um, uh, the Jedi Commando books. Um, they do establish that the clones have normal um, uh, biological urges uh, in terms of reproduction. They just start off with a perspective of they're never going to be able to do anything with those, but that uh, they still have those kind of appreciations and things like that, um, and that there are actually specific clones who do wind up. Uh, and this actually is something that's in the show as well, uh, having romantic uh, and and uh, sexual relationships. Because I, I think I, I think there's an episode where a clone has a child, but I, I don't remember that. And so we'll, we'll get to that in time. But but yeah, certainly it's established. But for me, it was also like this is a kids show. Um, and I, I think kids shows have changed a lot. You know, the days of the Smurfs that I grew up with are, are not here anymore. And uh, kids television has uh, advanced quite a bit. Um, but it, it, it definitely threw me as well, uh, Riki, uh, just cause I was like, this, this is not what I was expecting from a kid's show. You're saying Smurfette isn't sexy? Ah, <sighs> I suppose she <laughs> is. I suppose she is sexualized. No, I don't, I don't think quite in the same way, but, uh, you know, what eight year old me thought of Smurfette is something I don't want to dive into 10 years of therapy to find out. That's fair. That's reasonable. <laughs> yeah. So I think like what you're saying is. I mean, I think it makes sense that they would have, like, biological urges, but that translating to, like, pinup poster isn't, like, necessary, I guess, Yeah. right? Like, especially especially in a culture that you've essentially manufactured, right? Yeah. Like, why, why introduce objectification into that culture if you've, right? Because, like, the clones are just, 
Like, you made them. You made them and you put them all together and you can be like, hey, here's a cool thing. Not objectifying women. And they're like, okay, got it. Neat. Yeah. Well, that, but Go ahead. all of, so all the clones, I just, I just thought of this. I mean, mm-hmm. it's obvious, but all the clones are male. Yeah. Because, well, I was just thinking, like, would, would we have this now? Like, in our military? Like, if you're in the military today... Like, do you have posters like this up? And I was like, but there's there's women. But I, there's I, no women in this army. My understanding well, is, like, when people talk about the sexual harassment that women go through in the military, exposure to posters like that is a low-level form of it compared to the others, but it's definitely something that's pretty prevalent. And that I think official rules might be that they shouldn't have them, but that it is very loosely uh, enforced. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, like, it's clearly hearkening back to like World War One and Two, where again, the military was all men. Mm-hmm. Um, and and those sorts of like posters were there for like morale. Right. Right. And, but, and they do yeah. establish that the Jedi helped train the clones, but also, um, you know, some former Mandalorians and other kind of um, mercenary types help to train the clones. Um, and I can see those kind of things being passed on. Um, mm-hmm. But you're right. It is, it is an interesting choice by the writers to say, let's put that detail into this. Yeah, well, it seems like they 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 have these little markers of World War One slash two history, like like we talked before about the narrator at the beginning and sort of the dateline mm-hmm. announcements. Um, yeah. But yeah, it's it's they. I don't know. I I, I looked up pictures of the posters, and it's not as. Uh, it's not as bad as I was thinking in in my brain, but it's still not amazing. Right. So, so what makes you guys like this episode so much? Other than the clones aspect, <laughs> I, I think this is the the most we've gotten from Rex and Cody, right? Yeah. And in particular, we get them uh, together and not involved with with Jedi. I guess there was rookies where they went to the planet with the other clones. Mm-hmm. But I, I just really enjoyed the interplay between those two characters and the way they handled this situation and figured it out Yeah, without the help of Jedi. Yeah, it was nice seeing a much more internalized story that did, you know, because, I mean, the Jedi can just read minds and figure out who it is. And this, this I think, is a much more, it shows a lot more like what's the inner life of the clones like when the Jedi aren't around. Sorry, I didn't think of that until just now. The Jedi can just read minds. Why don't they just go in there and figure it out? Like, sorry. <laughs> yeah, but I, I did like the sort of the detective knives out kind of aspect of it. Mm-hmm. I really liked the, the ending scene where uh, Rex and Cody have this like nonverbal communication of like, okay, we know he's up in... The, what, his name starts with an S and I forget Slick. it already. I think Slick. Slick. Yeah. Yeah. That sounds right. He's, like, up in the air vent, but they continue to have, like, a very natural conversation of, like, okay, he's clearly gone for the exits. All right, I'm going to go. And, like, Cody puts his blaster down on the table and walks away. And, like, they do this elaborate setup without actually saying anything to each other. So I think right. that's uh, – it's, it's really – it's cool to watch in a fun little, like, oh, you're going to set him up sort of sense. And also just as a character building between Rex and Cody and seeing how close their relationship is. Yeah. 
I don't know, Counselor Troy. Why can't you tell us who's lying? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I mean, it's pretty common once you introduce something like mind reading that would erase, you know, 50% of plots that you have to just constantly either ignore it or psychobabble why it can't work. Um, Oh, this is another one of those races who I can't read their emotions. Yep. One more, so many of them. <laughs> one more planet where a simple teleporter won't get us out of trouble. Hmm. Um, so for me, the heart and soul of the episode is the uh, everything we talked about, sort of the life of the clones, but especially getting to, you know, the clone trader who hmm. what, what did you guys think of his justification and, and what he says about like feeling like he's a slave and that the Jedi's are slave masters and, and all of that? It's true. <laughs> all of it. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Um, yeah, I like, I agree with what he said, but I also agree with, um, either Rex or Cody, I forget which one, who, the, the person who confronts him about it and is like, yeah, sure, but you didn't have to, like, risk all of our lives for your freedom, like, you could have just used your words instead. Yeah. Um, yeah, so it's, it's like that flawed logic thing you're talking about, like, um, it reminded me a lot of, um, Panther? Yeah, I was going to say Black Lightning because that just came on Netflix, but that's not uh-huh. Black Panther. Um, and, like, Killmonger's kind of, like, like we're going to be free. Freedom forever. And it's sort of, like, like, he's got a lot of good points, but his logic is really flawed yeah. for, for going about it. He calls himself Killmonger. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> right? Like... Well, well, but actually, I think that... Uh, Ricky, isn't the... it his name? Isn't it, like, Eric Killmonger or something? No, it's it's it, it, Killmonger is kind of the nickname he has. Um, but uh, the point I think you guys are making is is, is actually ties into what I was just going to say, which is that I think, um, f- first of all, you're right. Like, and to me, this is the most interesting kind of villain, where the villain has some real points, but the the methods they're using are ones we disagree with, or their logic has some real problems. But in this in the, in the sake of him, especially, I I kind of think that the fact that he thinks that this is the only way to get his freedom, that he can't use his words is kind of a further indictment of that he's right because part mm-hmm. of part of what that's saying is, you know, he's been taught all of his life that his only purpose is to be a military machine and that the way to solve conflicts is through physical violence and force. And while I think you're right that he could have done better by, you know, like talking to some of the clones and trying to but maybe that's looked on as treason. Um but that the fact that he goes to that this is what he sees as the only path like, I think he's wrong, but I kind of understand why, given the way he's been treated so badly, this is the only option he sees. D- does that make sense? Mm-hmm. It, it is the only option. Yeah. The The clones cannot opt out of yeah. fighting, yeah. is my understanding. Everything we've seen yeah. is that they are grown and t- trained to fight. Yeah. And there's no, there's no point where they can say, like, oh, you know what, I, maybe I don't want to do this. It would be like a tank saying, like, ah, war's not for me, thank you. Like, that's sort of how they're viewing it, as a commodity instead of as human beings. Right. Yeah. And I think this is this is going to become a recurring theme throughout the show, and I think this is the first time we really are wrestling with that, of what happens when the clones don't like that, and the clones mm-hmm. want their own choices. Because um, I, I certainly, I, I ended the episode thinking, like, oof, I, I, I'm, not, I'm happy he's not doing his thing anymore, but... God, I feel a lot worse about the clones than I did before I started this episode. Yeah. Well, so I was going to say there's also like kind of the other side of this is the separatist stuff Mm. where Obi-Wan and Anakin go off to, 
I don't even know what they were doing. Yeah, they the, the B plot. Yeah. Yeah. They needed to leave the base, so they had some convoluted reason why they should go infiltrate the separatist lines, and that was gonna somehow help them discover who the traitor was. Yeah. So like everybody together, it was like the Jedi and uh, Cody and Rex. I think they were all like, "There's a traitor in our midst." But yeah, obviously they had to get the Jedi out of like into a different planet, so they didn't just use their mind powers to figure out who the traitor was. But yeah, what? Where, what were they off doing? Yeah, that, that that very much seemed like just plot excuse, get them away. And am I right that... Uh, is Ventress in this episode or the next one? My notes are a little screwy. She's, She's in this, in this one. one. Yeah. yeah, and there's like fun Obi-Wan <laughs> dialogue, but yeah. Well, I was just going to say, kind of playing on the same part of the uh, kind of, you know, sexy women on the walls... She is very vampy and like lady seductress for a kids show. And again, maybe I'm sounding like a prude here with what I keep saying about a kids show, but it, um, the children. Yeah, yeah. I do. It just like I don't think like even an adult thing. I'd be sort of like, really? Do we have to have a female character who relies that heavy on her sexuality as her weapon without like any other female characters to balance that out? Um, yeah. But especially in this setting, it just feels so inappropriate. So, just just out of tune with everything else. Yeah, it's really weird. Like, I like Ventress a lot, but I think, like, we've talked about it before, how she's very, like, femme fatale Yeah. e and, like, yeah, using, like, forced choking men towards her and then, like, kissing them before stabbing them, um, which is, like, kind of badass, but it would be better if there were, like you said, more women to balance this out. And Clone Wars, I think, does a good job of bringing us more female characters, like, not just with Ahsoka, but, like, a lot of the sort of one-off characters who yeah. we meet are, are women in, in leadership positions, which is nice. It, but, yeah, having Ventress show up in, the, in like, the B-plot is also just kind of, like, weird. Yeah, it felt a little, like, just remember that she's still around and that that's still yeah. a thing. And, and, and you're right. I mean, I love her as a character, and she becomes one of my favorites in later seasons. Um, mm-hmm. It was just something I wanted to comment on. Well, so Matthew, cor- correct me if I'm wrong, but this episode leads into the movie. Is that right? We we haven't watched the movie, the Clone Wars. Uh, no, I I believe the movie is set before any of these happen, but I could oh, be okay. wrong on that. Well, because at the end of the episode, they're like, and now like a whole bunch of fighting is about to happen, yeah. and then it moves to a completely different thing. Mm. So I thought like this is where they wedge in the movie. No, in actuality, like, the movie is mostly not about the Clone Wars. The The plot, the main plot of the movie is um, that the um, uh, uh, child of one of the Huts has been kidnapped by other <gasps> raiders. And basically it's a race between whether the Separatists or the uh, Republic will save them first so that... Um, uh, so that you know the the then you know Matt the 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 huts and the the a lot of the scoundrels will come in on the side of that. I'm I saw the movie 15 years ago and I hated it, so I'm quite possibly butchering <laughs> quite a lot of the the details. But it it's not all about like big pitched battles between the the separatists and the republic. There's there's much more of that in the show than the movie. That's confusing. Is is the the hut kid the like the purple like southern accent hut? I think so. I mean, certainly what I remember is it like 
that it was hard to watch it and then think that and then go back and watch Jabba and see him with any of the menace and sort of, you know, just immense power that he has the first time you watch Return of the Jedi. Um, hmm. It's part of why I didn't like it so much. Is it, it, of all the races, I don't want to see as cute and ridiculous and laughable. The huts are probably the top of that list. Sure. Yeah, there's a, there's an asset in, in future seasons, which we'll, we'll get to. But yeah, there's a, a fun, maybe fun air quotes, episode involving, yeah, I don't know if it's Jabba's kid, but there's an, an, another hut, another couple of huts. Yeah. As well as some other, like, band of outlaws. I think uh, Hondo is included. Yeah. In I mean, there. That's definitely true. And and certainly fans, if I'm getting the timeline right, uh, and this does lead into the movie, please, please write in and let us know. Uh, we'd love to hear that. <laughs> Do you guys have anything else to say on this episode, or should we move on? Oh, I can't wait to talk about the Blue Shadow Virus. <laughs> okay. Or the Blue Shadow Virus. Well, let's talk about the Blue Shadow Virus and bad German accents right after this commercial break that we have no control over. Okay, we're back. And since uh, episodes 17 and 18 kind of um, together form uh, up, up, uh, an arc, uh, I'm just going to read the two plot summaries together, and then let's talk about both episodes. Uh, Because, frankly, I I can't really tell the difference between the two. Uh, uh, So it starts with, uh, The Republic discovers a separatist bioweapon lab hidden on the planet of Naboo. Rather than wait for help, Padme explores the lab with Jar Jar. Because generally your two highest ranking political officials are the ones you send into danger. Ahsoka, Rex, and Obi-Wan arrive and follow after her. They find that the senator is being held captive by the sinister Dr. Nuvo Vindi. The mad scientist has been discovering, developing a lethal virus for the Separatists. Bindi threatens to set off a bomb and release the virus. That takes us into episode 18. Even though the lab has been shut down, Dr. Bindi manages to activate the dreaded Blue Shadow virus, infecting Ahsoka, Padme, and many clone troopers. The plague is fatal within 48 hours. Anakin and Obi-Wan must travel to the mysterious planet, Iago, to secure the only known anecdote to the sickness. Anakin and Obi-Wan arrive on the mysterious planet to find its population living in fear of a mysterious force that has been killing anything that tries to leave their world. With the help of Jabo Hood, a clever uh, Egoan boy, Anakin and Obi-Wan must solve the planet's mystery before they can leave and before everyone infected with a separatist virus dies. Yeah. Uh, Iago is just a horrifying planet's name to try and pronounce. Yeah. Um, But yeah, this... Oh, gosh. So... (laughs) Let, let's start with yeah. a German accent because have you guys seen the, the uh, Muppet movie? Uh, a while ago, yeah. Do you remember Mel Brooks as the crazy German scientist who wants to shoot electricity, enough electricity through this frog's brain to light up Cincinnati? <laughs> I do not, but uh, it, it, I'm, I'm on board. <laughs> it, it was a favorite of mine growing up and, and that has forever been locked into my mind as the comedically bad German accent. Um yeah. And I don't know if it has just become a trope from that movie or from earlier movies, or if the actor playing, uh, the voice actor playing the scientist actually was a big Mel Brooks Muppet movie fan. But I could, that's the only thing I could think of through this whole thing. And just reading the words in the um, plot summary that he is sinister, I I had to stop myself from laughing because did he just come across as utterly cartoonish? I mean, of course, cartoonish, but just utterly ridiculous to you all. Oh yeah, I I mean, so I I didn't think Muppet movie, but I thought like Doctor Strangelove slash Plan Nine from Outer Space. Yeah, those are good choices. Um, and like, well, I mean, Plan Nine is like, like maybe the worst movie of all time. But yeah, 
And I mean, like, speaking of, like, World War II, right? Like, we're hearkening back to when the, the German mad scientist villain was, like, the trope. Right. Well, it's it's actual history. Mm-hmm. I mean, um, I, I, I might butcher the name, but off the top of my head, I believe it was Dr. Joseph Mengele. Mm-hmm. was right. uh, the prison doctor for one of the concentration camps and was um real bad yeah he conducted experiments yeah he did like people. The, the twins experiments yeah. Right? right yeah i mean so there is like so. a history for but there, i mean like i feel like there's evil people from every country um and what? it was yeah it was just like a cartoonishly bad accent which yeah makes him funny instead of scary well if you want more cartoonishly caricature things mm-hmm. lo- looking up the oh wikipedia entry oh boy nuvo vindi was an insane faust scientist <laughs> his, his race is faust or planet oh, that's good that's great wait wait yeah. the race is faust the planet that's is what faust. it says it's faust. Faust. oh no the species faust is faust Wow. Uh, okay. Faust, Faust were an alien species of tall humanoids with pale blue skin. Uh, Dr. Vindy. Okay. Mm-hmm. They, they don't know they're called. Their ho- Go ahead. Their home world was the planet Adana, apparently. And I, and I don't understand why we have different home world and different race names. Yeah. Well, I mean, like, I guess there's humans from Earth. Like, we're the, we're the start of the different. Yeah, but once you get into a lot of. Like spacefaring science fiction, okay. humans Terran go by Terran. Terran yeah. yeah, right. Vulcans are from Vulcan, and yeah, but yeah, but in this world, it's not. Wookies are from Kashyyyk, and you know all of this. Yeah, I, I guess for me, the thing is, like you're right. There have absolutely been actual real life, you know, plague doctors and people who used, you know, biological warfare or studied this. I, I it's when it goes from him being like a devotee of the separatist cause who wants to create the best weapon of war. Him having this like maniacal love affair with like he he just loves the virus and he thinks the virus is the greatest thing in the world and that to die of the virus even would be kind of cool um and that's yeah. the point where just it just it just feels like such a bad sci-fi movie cliche it goes off the rails well he has like a, an actual maniacal laugh yes. which is ridiculous but it reminded me pardon me but it reminded me a lot of uh, an episode of Star Trek Next Gen where like Doctor Crusher is obsessed with this i think it's a computer virus that it like could be a biological life form and therefore we can't kill it and like dr vindy's whole thing is like how dare people eradicate this virus it is a living creature i'm gonna bring it back um and then also murder everyone yeah um and yeah it's it's so it's it's interesting and it also seems like the exact opposite of the first episode we discussed tonight, Trespass, mm-hmm. where, like, you have a, a virus, which is technically alive, but, like, very clearly not an intelligent life form. So and there's, like, no cause here to be like, oh, yeah, we got to save the virus. Yeah, I, I think that that makes a lot of sense. It, it, it seems like after the all of the nuance and, like, subtlety of the first two episodes, all that's gone mm-hmm. out the window here. Yeah, now it's just, like, crazy guy with, like, maniacal laugh wants to set off the bomb. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And we also get another Gungan, which is just what we needed. Yeah, that 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 was not great. 
I, I did like, we were talking actually before about uh, the range of female characters in this. I, mm-hmm. I feel like we're now starting to get Padme more developed as a character instead of just the woman who thinks I hate sand is a good romantic line. Um, like, I, I, sorry, I have to keep going there. But, um, um, like, and granted, this is not the best, but I, I feel like we're start that, that I like seeing that, like, she's headstrong and that she's a little bit more of, uh, like, honestly, there was a great essay I, I, I read a while ago that, that basically made the point that if Luke is Anakin's child, uh, Leia is very much Padme's child. Um, mm-hmm. With the exception of dying in childbirth because you're sad, um, but like that, that Padme is showing a, head, you know, recklessness and a like I don't want any I don't want to send anyone else to take care of the problem. I want to do it myself. Uh, that I think that I think we start to see in Leia as well. And so I I, I like this. That, that's one of the few things I can find in this episode that I like. Yeah, and she also just seems like super done with Anakin, which is like funny, but also like that's your husband and you love him theoretically. Like the when. I think it's probably the next episode when uh, Anakin comes to, to rescue Padme. I, I mean, Senator Amidala. Mm-hmm. Um, he, he, like, kills all the battle droids and then comes and rescues her. And she's like, you could have rescued me before killing the droids. <laughs> <laughs> like, all right. And I was like, she's sassing him a bit, which is delightful. Yeah. But yeah, it's what, what frustrates me is that, like, yeah, um, Padme is, like, going off and she's, she's like, well, like, let's just deal with this ourselves. But... The reason they get all these answers is because, like, Jar Jar just Pratt falls into them. Yeah. And it's just, yeah. That is, I, we, we st- I, I think part of the problem is that Padme so far, I think, has only shown up in episodes with Jar Jar. Um, and <laughs> we, we do finally get her on her own in later episodes, which becomes much nicer. Um, well, doesn't, doesn't the senator from your state always hang out with the representative from your <laughs> district? I guess. Well, I, I think both yeah, of them are senators, aren't they? Isn't that the idea um, that there are two different civilizations on this planet, so they both have senators? No, Padme is a senator, and Jar Jar is a representative. Thinks. Oh, okay. That makes um, sense. But yeah, it is like so. Like going back to like the sort of naming conventions. This is kind of why I like that not every species is named after its planet because it does leave open the idea that there's more than one species on a planet, which right. is nice. Um, but yeah, Jar Jar is just, Jar Jar is laughably bad, and everybody, like, knows that Jar Jar is bad. Like, there's, that, I think there were even a couple lines here where it's like, uh-oh, Representative Binks is on the case. Yeah. Everybody look out. Um, so, like, why, then why do they keep letting him go places? I, I do have this image in my head of the Clone War writing room, where they're sort of plotting out f- the next five episodes, and someone pipes up, well... Remember, George is going to get mad if we don't throw Jar Jar in every five episodes or so, and they all kind of groan and figure out a way to put Jar Jar into an episode. Yeah, it's like Captain uh, Rex has to make a comment about hating him, and then he smells something and dopishly goes off towards the smell and accidentally saves the day. Yeah. Um, it's true. Yeah. He, he literally did that. Yeah. They were searching for the droid that had run off with the last bomb, the missing bomb. And they run past a room, and, and Jar Jar stops and is like, hmm, something's really good in here, in his whatever accent. Yeah. And that happens to be the room where the droid is hiding with the bomb. Yeah. And he didn't he, smell the bomb. No. He, like, he finds Dr. Vindy's lab by, like, tripping over a tree branch and, like, accidentally opening the hatch or something like that. Yeah, it's just... And, then, like, in the previous episodes where we've seen Jar Jar, he, like, thwarts off a whole bunch of enemies by, like, accidentally falling 
and like meeting a giant fish who he convinces to come eat people like it's 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 yeah i mean like it, it's it's just laughably kids bad. love it yeah. i'm sure they do i'm sure they do i i do again this may be my head canoning the writer's room and, and maybe i'm giving people too much credit <laughs> but i kind of love the idea that Lucas at this point is forcing them to put in Jar Jar every now and then. Mm-hmm. And the writers are so mad about this that they make Jar Jar as dumb and ridiculous a character as they can, hoping that at some point there's going to be enough fan feedback or just other people, you know, the directors watching the show to go, we just need to get rid of Jar Jar. Like, or that at least it's some level of like writer protest. Because yeah. given the horrible reactions that Jar Jar got in the first two movies, I can't imagine people thought that like... Th- this aspect of Jar Jar's character was actually one that would get, like, yes, it might get four-year-olds to watch it, but I have to imagine, like, most of their parents get so upset that Jar Jar's in it that they turn it off before the kid can fall in love with it. Not all the time, obviously, but, like, I don't know. Am I hoping yeah. too much there? I don't know. It's I mean, it's a fun fun headcanon to have. But, I mean, like, yeah. So, I, I was one of the kids who watched Phantom Menace and loved Jar Jar and had my, like, Jar Jar head cup from kfc that i remember uh-huh <laughs> um and and yes i meant like it's, it's like the droids right where they're just they're prat falling and they have goofy lines and they fall down and it's funny um but like that's not the only thing that appeals to kids and i don't think like i don't think it's necessary right? like you can have kids shows that are still engaging with adults without just resorting to to, to prat falls yeah and like funny sounds and and we seem to have we're getting less and less of the like Roger Roger, dopey droids. Yeah. But we still get thrown a Jar Jar every once in a while, which is. I I picked up. I actually had in my notes like this is the first time where the droids aren't are actually a little bit scary, because mm-hmm. what I remember there's a scene I think where the droids are marching in, and they don't they don't look at all pratfally, but more importantly they don't look in any way like individuals. They just look like this you know, machine marching towards you without any emotion or any fear and i was like oh okay that's how droids can be scary we're getting that at the same time as jar jar great (laughs) yeah and then we figure out the reason that these these droids are like that is they've been reprogrammed by this jabbo hood child prodigy character oh i meant i I meant when we'll show uh the 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 first part in the first first part of the episode oh okay um i don't remember that part. yeah (laughs) but i do remember them coming at uh, Anakin mm-hmm. on the planet. Anakin and Obi-Wan? Is that who goes to to Diego? I- yeah. I keep wanting to call it Iago. I know. <laughs> the Shakespeare handle right. one. I know. Or the parrot from Aladdin. Oh. So <laughs> let, let's talk about the kid. Um, is this the Wesley yeah. Crusher of the Star Wars universe? I mean... What do you think, Ricky? Because I hate him. <laughs> for, for both Crusher and this guy, J Jaden, what's his name? Uh, Jabo. Jabo. Jabo Hood. What was? Do we know what Peppy Biz, like Pepto Bismol's name is? Like Peppy Bowen or something? I can look it up. I Ricky had it on the screen. And I saw it and I was like Pepto Bismol. Yeah. And it reminds me. It reminds me of an episode of Thirty Rock where like Liz goes to some small town and wants Pepto Bismol. But they don't have it because it's like a everything's off brand, so she gets Peppy Bismuth, and that's what <laughs> that's hilarious. I want I want this girl's name to be what? Jabo is ten years old. Yeah, that tracks. Yeah. 
So, so what was your take on uh, that particular character, Riki? I, I don't like the way he's drawn, for starters. <laughs> uh-huh. it's, it somehow seems even more cartoonish, or like the wrong type of cartoon. Yeah. I'm looking at a picture of him right now, and I, I get like he looks like he's something out of um, a children's video game. Like Paw Patrol. Yeah, that sounds about right. Yeah. Yeah, it is. It's a different style, and it. He, <sighs> Who who let this kid have all these droids is also my question. Because there's, like, adults on the planet, too, who are, like, fully functioning, it seems. So, like, why did why was this kid allowed to amass a droid army to do his bidding? Yeah, nothing about it made any sense to me. Where are his parents? How is he living? Like, <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, it, 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 and, and like, I get, and, like, I understand this is why they threw in Wesley Crusher, is the idea is, if you want, you know, kids to watch something, you give them someone to identify with. Um, mm-hmm. And I guess maybe oh. having a super smart, super cool kid who does his own thing, like, I, I don't remember being 10, maybe that's super appealing to someone that age. Um, I, I hope like, not. We have, we have, like, Ahsoka, yeah. who's, like, a young kid who's super badass, and, and... Like still very much reads as as kid, but is doing like these cool main character stuff. We don't need like the Wonder Kid. Yeah. Shut up, Wesley. <laughs> can I, that, was that your Picard? <laughs> yes. Okay. Can, can I also throw out? Um, th- there's a couple of diseases that I understand that we have pretty much completely eradicated in our world. Um, mm-hmm. That they can sometimes come back. Um, do you think if we did that, we would have one copy of the vaccine and put it on a fairly hard to access planet no it's not a vaccine on the planet so it's like these vines that are on the planet then they have to go collect the vines because they use the vines to it's make the, the vaccine oh okay and but, so they kept zero copies of the vaccine around i don't think there is a vaccine is there yeah that's how they that's what they don't they isn't that what they're using the plant for yeah, it's certainly it's, it's something or it's an antidote. It's a it's a cure because it, it it's not just a vaccine because it cures people who are already infected. Mm, yeah, okay. But whatever but it yeah, is, so like, that's like if if this virus threatened the whole universe and is horribly dangerous, and if it's ever released again, like global, you know, universal pandemic, maybe have some of the root growing on a couple of different planets, and maybe even make some of the stuff to be have on hand. Like, yeah. It's weird. So it's like build as, like blue shadow virus is built as this like incurable disease, but they finally managed to eradicate it. And like Vindy's all pissed because they eradicated it. Uh-huh. But yeah, then they like do a Google search and they're like, oh, this root can fix it. Let's go to this one planet that has it. Yeah. So like, did they not know about the root the first time? Did it like, did they figure it out too late, but someone still put it on like the Wikipedia page for blue shadow virus? Like what? <laughs> I don't know, and it's weird. And, like, the planet that they get to, like, there's no mention of, like, P.S., if you go to this planet, you can't leave it. Right. Which seems like important information. Well, and I guess that that's a more recent thing. Because, like, I, I think the whole idea mm-hmm. is that the Separatists did that because they knew they were about to unleash this virus. Um, though how the virus won't get to Separatist worlds, I don't really understand as part of the plot. Well, it's a, it's a um, biological... Right. So, so I think the separatists being like mostly droids is what's stopping them. Oh yeah, okay. Then. And yeah, like Vindy seems like he wants to die from this virus, so he is not at all concerned. Like, right. 
It could kill him. But certainly as a, a, a recent events are perhaps reminding us, the idea that you can control where a virus goes and does not yeah. go, I think is a kind of foolish. But it, it felt to me like they had this idea of an episode where they went to a planet. You know, like one writer came up with the idea of let's go to a planet at some point ruled by a 10-year-old kid who's redesigned clones and they have to do this crazy thing to get out of it. Mm-hmm. And the writer kept saying, like, when can we use my episode idea? When can we use my episode idea? And then when they needed a, a way to go get the virus, they, the, the antidote or whatever, they said, let's stick it in here. Because it Fine. just felt... Here's your 10-year-old planet ruler. It felt like a completely different story that had nothing to do with the Blue Shadow virus story. It, yeah, again, it felt very Star Trekian, but in, like, a, a bad way, in that, like, Star Trek's has, has, like, it's episodic and... Usually the episode is focused on beaming down to a planet and the planet has a specific problem and they go there and they leave and the episode's finished. Uh-huh. And they handle it in a, a very good way. But, like, Clone Wars isn't like this. But it seems like they're trying to cram that sort of plot line in where, you know, we go to a planet and, like, what's the cool thing about this planet? Is it, you know, the, the, the south from... Or is it, like, ancient Greece? It's the planet of ancient Greece? No, it's a planet of... 10 year old boy yeah but also other people like why is the 10 year old is he he's not even actually in charge he just like lives in this castle with his droids for some reason and there's like other people who wander around and like the kid's friend who tried to leave the planet and died it's yeah also if you can reprogram droids why why that that might be a useful military strategy i'm just throwing an idea out there yeah there's a lot of well, you can re- you can reprogram droids. Well, he does it like on mass. I guess you have to like capture a bunch of droids and then reprogram them. Mm-hmm. It's just it's weird that I mean he's reprogrammed them to basically just be like my oh my this kid is cool. Yeah, I think that makes a lot of sense. Oh oh that reminds me I I totally forgot <laughs> but um the the clone spy episode so oh. to to figure out how. Their, their battle plan was thwarted at the beginning of the episode. As they are escaping, Rex rips the head off of the clone, like, lieutenant, or the, the droid lieutenant. Right. He doesn't and, then, the and then they just, they hack into the, the droid's head. Yeah. And they're like, oh, like, they had all our plans. He rips the head off. He's just like, Yeah. But I mean, it's I mean again, it's a droid who can very clearly survive Song's body, and three PO tries to like trick him and be like, "Ah, oh, this is the separatist ship. You did a good job. Tell us what a good job you did." Please. No, that's this one. That's this episode. That's that's those are the droids that they found on Naboo. I am so confused. Yeah, yeah. There's a lot of droid decapitation, as it <laughs> turns out, in this. Set. Okay. Wait, how did three PO get on? The pl- I'm so confused. I'm so confused. 3PO was on Naboo. Okay. They to had found with. some droids on Naboo. All right. And then they did some. They did a lobot. They did a droid lobotomy. Yes. And made it so his eyes or his visual sensors didn't work. Yeah, and then 3PO and then turned him back time. on. Yes. Right. Okay. All right. But that's different from Rex whipping the head off yeah. a droid. <laughs> Are you I'm just going to keep perhaps, saying that phrase. Are you implying that perhaps they would be soldered on a little more strongly than that? 
I, I'm implying that I find it impossible that any normal strength human could do that mm-hmm. to a droid. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 I, 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 I recall that they had the head. Because it's, it's not one of the battle droids' heads. It's like the saucer disc right. droid. Right. The tactical yeah. droids. Tactical droid. Yeah. Sorry. The saucer disc droid wasn't the, the technically correct name. Um <laughs> I can't even rip the head off of, like, a teddy bear. Okay, I got, I got concerned there. Um, I think you could if you Let tried hard enough. a droid. We're not going to discuss how, how many different things our co-host has attempted to rip the head off of, so let's just move move along. <laughs> <laughs> Reasonable. But yeah, it's, I, I mean, I don't know. The clones have done some badass things. The clones, I think, are so, supposed to be stronger than your average human, but it, it certainly felt like... If that's legitimate strategy, then, you know, maybe a strong breeze could be a much better weapon to use in these instances. Yeah, or just, like, get get ripping some droid heads off. Like, yeah. why? Why, why, yeah, why shoot them? Yeah. yeah. That's fair. All right. Are we uh, ready to move on to our uh, fortune cookie uh, experiments? Or is there any last comments people have about these episodes? Mostly just, like, the Blue Shadow Virus episodes are real bad. Yeah. Real, real bad. Also, why is episode 18 called Defenders of Peace? That makes. Uh, no, I think that's, I didn't change it on my notes because the. Oh, that was the previous one. Okay, yep. sorry. Never mind. Complaint withdrawn. Yep. I will actually look that up quickly while we move to. Um, yeah, Ricky, are you ready to give us the results from last week? From la- last episode? Yeah, definitely. Yes. Just to learn. Okay, so what, how many did we do? We did four episodes 15 through 18. What? We did 14 through. Uh, I'm sorry, we did. Uh, huh. Uh, let's see. Wait, how many did we do last time? 11 through 14. Oh, okay, sorry. so Dooku captured. Uh, Dooku captured. You both selected the second quote, which was, The winding path to peace is always a worthy one, regardless of how many turns it takes. That was the quote from Clone Wars episode. Yay. You're correct. Episode 12, The Gungan General. Uh, Matthew, you selected Fail with Honor rather than Succeed by Fraud. And Sarah, you selected Failure is not Defeat until you stop trying. Matthew was correct. Okay. It's okay. Failure is not Defeat until I stop trying. There you go. There you go. Episode 13, Jedi Crash. You, uh, let's see, Sarah picked the first quote, greed and fear, greed and fear of loss are the roots that lead to the tree of evil. And Matthew, you selected quote two, conquer your fears or they will conquer you. Sarah was correct. Yeah, tree of evil. Okay. (laughs) Tree of evil. And episode 14, defenders of peace. You both selected when surrounded by the war, one must eventually choose a side. And that was correct. Yeah, yeah and that's where I was grabbing Defenders of the Peace name. But, I mean, the, okay, the name for episode 18 is worse? Mystery of a Thousand Moons? Oh, God. <laughs> what? Yeah. Is that because it's, like, the weird moons? Okay, Full disclosure, I had like almost completely zoned out by episode 18, because uh-huh. the, the Blue Shadow Virus episodes are really bad. Is the Thousand Moons a thing that's like stopping them from leaving the planet? Yes. Okay. Well, yeah. there we go. Mystery solved. <laughs> um, 
All right. So, uh, uh, Ricky, hit us with these. And, and I would say, actually, let's go back to uh, uh, both Sarah and I will guess and then just go ahead and tell us the answer. I, I, I think from our, uh, um, it, it may be hard for folks to kind of follow along and then wait the two weeks to, to hear the answer. So let's, let's got to go back to doing it that way. Yeah. All right. Episode 15, Trespass. Keyword that I selected was diminish. The first quote is arrogance diminishes wisdom. That's it. Mm-hmm. Quote number two, true wisdom is found in happiness. Okay, so true wisdom is found in happiness sounds very fortune cookie-y. And I can see why you picked it, because it seems like it applies to this episode, but I think it's number one. Yeah, I, I'm going to agree it's number one. That is correct. Arrogance diminishes wisdom. Yeah. Okay, episode 16, The Hidden Enemy. The key word was truth. Quote number one. What the heck? <laughs> Terrible quote. I don't think that's a fortune cookie. Truth is an unpopular subject because it is unquestionably correct. Quote number two. Truth enlightens the mind but won't always bring happiness to your heart. So I think it's definitely number one because the second one feels sounds much more like a fortune cookie. But I also have to say I very much agree with the first part of the number one. And then the second one I am – no, 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 no. I'm backing way off. I, I'm just confused by both of them. So I'm going to agree with Matthew because, I mean, all I can think of is that fear is the mind killer. Truth is an unpopular subject yeah. because it is unquestionably correct. Were we unquestionably correct? No. Oh, you were unquestionably wrong. That really? was the fortune cookie. Wow. Fortunecookie.com. Okay. <laughs> Actually, sorry. It's fortunecookiemessage.com. Okay. Tricked you. All right. Blue Shadow Virus, episode 17. The quote was, or the, the keyword was cure. Can you say it in German accent? Okay. I'll try. <laughs> Uh, quote number one. A bad German accent. Fear is disease. Hope is the only cure. Oh, that was real bad. That was, that was great. Okay. We just lost all of our German fans, but I'm here for That's this. Go on. Sorry, German fans. <laughs> I am here for it. Oh, I love it. There's a part in Blue Shadow Virus where he actually says, like, wunderbar or something like that. Or das ist gut. And I'm just like, you're not even trying to hide it. Anyway, <laughs> yeah, sorry. I don't think I remember Quote that. number two. Quote uh, number two. Compassion will cure more than condemnation. Ooh, that was better. That was a better bad German accent. Um, because the first one specifically references disease, I have to think yeah. that it's that one. Yeah, who's, who's talking about disease in the fortune cookie? I agree. All right, that is correct. Yay. Yeah, d- disease is probably not a subject you want to raise at a restaurant. <laughs> That's reasonable. <laughs> uh, episode 18, Mystery of a Thousand Moons. The keyword was hope. Quote number one: A simple chance is a galaxy of hope. Quote number two: Hope is like food; you will starve without it. I mean, it has to be galaxy—the one that has the word galaxy in it—and and the other has the word food. I I I'm wondering if that's yeah. if that's to throw us off the track, but I. I I do think the safe bet is once again the first one. 
Yeah, I agree. All right, you're correct. Yay. Okay, okay. We did pretty well this time around. Well, it gets hard when when they do put words like galaxy <laughs> yeah. in, in the opening. That's yeah. true. That's true. Well, it'd be interesting to see if maybe by like the second or third season, we're not guessing. We're we're always guessing the right. Oh no no yeah! I don't think I'm going to do this. Like it, it gets. I, I've been watching, and it gets really difficult. They, they get, Some of them are like very specific. They get a yeah. lot less fortune cookie esque. Yeah, one of them was probably like oh, always listen to Obi Wan. He's correct. Uh-huh. <laughs> Yoda's a real cool dude. Well, uh, guys, thank you so much for being uh, part of this. Um, and to all our fans, thank you. As always, um, me and Riki and Sarah do this because we love talking about it with each other, but we'd love to hear from you all as well. So you can find us on uh, Facebook, Twitter, or at Gmail, all at Superhero, uh, sorry, at uh, Star Wars Universe Podcast. Um, <laughs> Quit plugging your other podcast. I know, I know. Um, I am also the host of the Superhero Ethics Podcast, which is another great one to host, but uh, not what we're talking about today. Um, yeah, so please, please let us know what you think. We'd love to hear your thoughts and feedback. Um, this podcast is a part of the Stranded Panda Podcast Network, which does a lot of other great podcasts, including the Superhero Ethics Podcast. But also, um, the way we kind of do a deep dive on this one on Star Wars content, on there you can find similar things about Star Trek, uh, the Marvel Universe, the DC Ooh. Universe, uh, the Watchmen television show, uh, the Orville, uh, which I'm on and I think is the best Star Trek show that we've had in a while, though possibly Picard just surpassing it. Um, as well as a lot of other great stuff. And um, while we record this, this is going to happen tomorrow. But by the time this goes live, it'll probably have already been going on for about a week or so. Um, but starting on Monday, March 23rd, uh, since we are both stuck at home in quarantine land, and we figure a lot of the rest of you are too, uh, Matt Carroll, uh, and uh, the founder of the MCU cast, and myself, will be starting a watch and podcast of uh, the TV show Altered Carbon. So every day we're going to watch an episode and uh, record an episode about it and then record our own podcast episode about it. But what we're going to do is we're going to watch it every day at um, uh, 11 a.m. Central Time with the idea of um, anybody who wants to – we're going to live stream our conversation during the episode. And if oh, you, wow. you really want to go f- deep into it, um, if you are a member of the uh, a Patreon of any of the um, Stranded Pan- – any of the Stranded Panda – podcast networks um if you're a part of any of their patreons uh then you will get access to a netflix party we're doing where you'll actually get to you know be watching at the exact same moment we are uh pause when we pause keep playing we keep playing and be in a chat room and be able to throw your own comments that we'll discuss on air so to do that all you have to do is become a patreon uh just give a uh anything is less you know a, a dollar an episode or any uh, if they'll let you uh even lower is fine we don't have one yet for the Star Wars Universe podcast, but we do for the Superhero Ethics podcast. That will get you in, as well as any of the other Stranded Panda uh, networks. If you're already a Patreon of them or want to become one, that will also get you into the Netflix uh, uh, Netflix party. All that information will be on the show notes and uh, on the uh, Facebook pages of both Star Wars Universe podcast and the um, uh, Superhero Ethics podcast. Um, so with that, Thank you all so much for being a part of this. Uh, Ricky and Sarah, thank you guys again. Have a great day. Thank you. Wash your hands. Wash your hands.